Hello, everyone, and welcome to season four of Crave Arts Presents The Future of Film, featuring intimate interviews with the best emerging filmmakers from around the world. My name is Tom Oliva, and I am co-founder and executive director of Crave Arts and the All-American High School Film Festival, dedicated to discovering, showcasing, and uniting the next generation of visual storytellers and content creators. In October of 2022, we celebrated our 10th annual festival, 10 years in and our community is thriving, a testament to the power of believing in the arts and the emerging artists that share their stories with us. The collective spirit of our organization, our community, and all of our year-round initiatives is rooted in a shared passion, a passion to breathe life into stories, to collaborate with others who share your vision, and to create content at the highest level. Content with the ability to move viewers emotionally, to inspire with unprecedented style and craft, and to impact real change. Some quick updates from the All-American Bulletin Board as we gear up for our 11th annual festival in New York City. Our 2023 festival will take place this October 20th to 22nd in New York City, and submissions are open via Film Freeway, with the final deadline being July 3rd. Head over to hsfilmfest.com to get the latest news and updates about the 2023 festival. You can save on our early bird tickets, book your discounted rooms at the Sheridan Times Square Hotel, and check out our downloadable 2023 budget guide, planning guides, and posters, because it's never too early to begin planning your all-American adventure. A friendly reminder that we are offering a new custom category this year, your chance to make an original music video for one of four songs by AWOL Records artist MXM Tune. More information at hsfilmfest.com slash custom dash categories. And if you plan on attending the fest in New York City, we highly recommend competing in our film invitational competitions, the world's premier on-site student filmmaking competitions in New York City from October 18th to the 20th. We offer a variety of authentic real-world production experiences for student filmmakers and video production programs. Your chance to crew up and produce a short film in just 10 weeks. Registration is currently open. Please visit our website, hsfilmfest.com. And teachers, if you're looking for a great way to boost your curriculum and elevate and inspire your students, check out our video production resource community and roadshow. Two terrific in-person or remote opportunities featuring lesson plans and interactive presentations based on our library of exemplary student films. More information can be found at hsfilmfest.com under the Education tab. Okay, today's guest, Theo Shakes, alumni from 2019, made a huge impression with his narrative short, Bygones, earning nominations for Best Overall Film, Best Direction, Best International Film, and Best Drama. We were amazed that this 16-year-old filmmaker from New Zealand had the ability to write and direct such a poignant and heartbreaking story, a story rooted in adult sensibilities, mature perspective, and an emotional tenderness well beyond his years. Bygones is a story about fathers and sons, about love and loss, about missed opportunities and the trails we leave behind. We meet the protagonist in an Uber, 
on his way home to his birthday dinner. But any sense of celebration is muted, nearly suffocated by a looming melancholy, reflected in the meticulous cinematography as if the character's fragile existence is shrouded in a fog he can't shake. We're offered glimpses of the character's backstory and motivations, their simmering demons revealed in awkward, strained conversation and supported by magical flashbacks, with the gentle score perfectly accenting the rising dramatic tension. The gripping performances are amplified by glorious lighting and framing. This is a fragment of a life so rife with emotional intensity, it's almost too much for the viewer to bear. Without giving too much away, I can tell you that the final sequence of events is nothing short of devastating. A testament to Theo's vision and the power of cinema to evoke an unparalleled emotional response. Perhaps the best way to motivate you to watch this wonderful, wonderful short film is to share a line of dialogue delivered by the driver that perfectly encapsulates the overall tone and theme. Jazz, he says softly to his passenger. You have to listen to the notes that aren't playing. It's beautiful. Looking over Theo's impressive achievements since moving on from All-American, his talent and passion should have come as no surprise. This is a young man destined for the bright lights, with an innate drive and dedication that shows no signs of slowing down. And his passion for storytelling extends well beyond filmmaking, including acting, stand-up comedy, and a thriving following on TikTok, where he has amassed 315 million views and over 700,000 followers. Clearly, Theo is determined to continue to develop his craft and share his art no matter what form it takes. And we can't wait to see where it takes him next. I am honored to be joined by Theo Shakes all the way from New Zealand today. So much respect for Theo getting up. It's already Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. It's 4 p.m. on Tuesday here. Hey, Theo, welcome. How are you? Big kia ora, which means hello from New Zealand. Um, I'm in Wellington, the capital. Um, and thank you for that, like, Dope intro, Tom. That's really cool. Um, it's nice to like hear back like what I did anyway. I don't even, I mean, it's been a while as well. So it's a nice refresher of that world, the filmmaking world, and then what I'm up to today. But thank you for allowing me on here and, and let's let's have a chat. Let's see. Of course. Yeah. I'm so excited to, to reconnect with you. Um, and it was really awesome for me to revisit Bygones. I hadn't mm. watched it in some time. Um, and, you know, it just blew me away again. You know, it stands up against all of the best films we've ever received. So thank you for sharing that with us. But before moving on, we're going to get to uh, something to get the conversation flowing. We call it personal portrait. In this quick reply exercise, I'll say a word, ask a question, and you just say the first thing that comes to mind. Ready? Yeah, okay. All right, no pressure. Um, as a New Yorker, I have to ask, how's the pizza in New Zealand? Okay, it's like bread. <laughs> Very kind of you yeah. to say, you know. Uh, and, and as someone who's always wanted to visit New Zealand, tell me one thing that makes your country special. Mm, the mana, which means the, the power and spirit in the people. We're, we're really um, coming from an indigenous lens, our Māori people. So I think just how we say hello and how we say goodbye, that's, that's perfect to me. 
Very cool. Uh, would you rather be reincarnated as a dog or a cat? Oh, oh man. A cat. I've been looking at them lately and just seeing them like float around. So cat. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, back to New Zealand for one more. Um, what's your favorite thing to eat? What's like a New Zealand thing to eat? Oh, uh, mm, I eat a lot of fast food. I'm not going to lie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pies, I guess pies. They're, that's the Kiwi thing. Yeah. Like fruit pies. No, no, no. Like a mince pie or a steak and cheese pie. Like this. A pie. Yeah. A pie. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, okay. What is your go-to karaoke anthem? Daniel Caesar, um, Japanese denim. Mm. All right. We might have to like call you out on that. Yeah. Uh, Chris, see if you can cue that up in the background. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, what is the weirdest thing you have in the room with you right now? This, for sure. Uh, a label printer that I use as a prop <laughs> that's sitting on my table. Um, it's pretending to be like an FBOS machine or a debit card machine, yeah. I love those things. Um, I, it's funny, but every once in a while, my sons and I will break ours out and like just put like funny labels on things to like, yeah. you know, surprise mom. Um, no, cool. And it's, I, I've never realized how expensive the actual labels are for those things. They get you like, because yeah. the thing's not that expensive and then you have to yeah. buy the tape and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just mean, use it as a prop. <laughs> exactly, the batteries are out on it and so... I just like playing with the last bit of roll and just messing about, but yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is the best thing you bought this year? What a question. What a question. Whoa. Um, oh, uh, uh, a car. I got a car down here in Wellington. That's been huge. Yeah. That's been big. Yeah. That what kind of car? Did, what kind of car did you buy? Uh, it's a golf. A 2004 Golf, and I did it as quite an instinctual buy. I was like, no, I didn't tell anyone off Trade Me, which is like a, a trading app in, in New Zealand. And I was just like, just do it, Thea. Just do it. Like, see if you can be a little impulsive. And Because I knew I wanted one, but I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's that crazy. A Golf. I'm golf. happy for you. I hope you have yeah. some nice, you know, days driving around with the windows down and the tunes yes. turned up. Yes. Um, okay, a little more serious here. Film school, first thing that comes to mind. Doubt. Mm, we'll get into that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's the most important thing a film can do? Make people feel less alone. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, and finally, All-American High School Film Festival. Whoa. My film was in like Times Square, like that. Still, like yo, like it was off on yo. I was like, someone was messaging me about that. So that that like being in a screen in America was like insane to me. That's crazy. You're yeah. making me smile. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we could provide that opportunity. So, all right, let's dive a bit deeper into all things Theo Shakes. It's yes. amazing to reconnect with you today. Um, where are you currently? I know. Well, you already kind of said you're in Wellington, New Zealand. Um, what are you up to as it relates to film or your other passions? Absolutely. Um, so my daily, weekly life is um, acting school. I go to acting school and um, I'm there Monday to Friday, eight till five is usually that sort of time. Um, and 
within that, we're working on a play right now, um, a farcical play. So lots of comedy, lots of fun, just basically liberating ourselves to just have fun. Um, and around that, amongst all of that, I've got various things I'm doing, TikTok being one of them, which is a visual medium of fun and, and chaos. Um, and then the other thing I get time with my time is to write. That's that's where um, filmmaking still makes its connection. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, everyone who knows me knows this about me, that I'm not on TikTok. I'm not on social media outside of, you know, my job and the organization. Yeah. You just might be the person that makes me take the plunge because oh, yeah. I want to see, you know, after being on your website and how it describes you as a person who's like lived every life or something like that yes. and all the different personalities and, and things that you share. I am incredibly intrigued. Um, you know, your personality is one that I enjoy engaging with and maybe you'll just be the reason if you are, I will definitely send you a note. Um, cause I have resisted thus far. Um, Do it. that's Do it. amazing. So, so what, like, what is a day in the life at acting school? Like, I mean, you're mm. preparing for a play, but like, what mm. do you do? Mm. Yeah. Uh, well it's different cause I'm in my third and final year and it's very different when you're in your third year because they're, um, kind of setting you up in a way that, that connects you or links you to the industry. So, um, it's your own independent practice, your own, explorations and, and testing culture is huge at, at Toy Fukari. That's the drama school. That's the name of it. Um, but in first and second year, that's an easier way to describe how it looks because there's craft classes and craft classes are split into four things. So movement, voice, playhouse, and acting. Uh, playhouse is like clowning. Um, it's like being wild, being silly. Uh, clowning, yeah. Um, and then... Acting is those explorations, so um, A, B scenes, which is just simple dialogue, and, and then actor and instinct, which is more specific, just sitting next to other humans, seeing how they move, acting and reacting. Um, and then you get your plays in there and you get your screen tests or your audition practice. Um, yeah, voice class, you know, literally sending out vowels. Like, you, you'd, it's pretty tedious. Uh, if you ask most people, they'll go, ah, oh, voice class, hate voice class. But it's I, E, O, U for about 30 minutes straight. Um, and then movement's really interesting. For my first two years, it was a blend of more specifically Samoan movement um, and Maori movement um, because they were looking at, at our drama school at a way to interweave um, Pacifica culture. If we come from a Pacifica lens, the Pacific, why wouldn't that be integral to the training and to an actor? And we, we like to talk at Toy about where you can draw strength from, um, what, what's behind you and what you can pull forth uh, and what grounds you. That's what first year is about. So it's really great the way the course is set up. First year is about grounding. Second year is about weaving. And third year is about touching the industry and meeting them and shaking their hands. So it's changed my life. It really has. Like I, it, it almost makes me emotional sitting here talking about it because I'm one of those people that's quite sensitive to knowing it's coming to an end, even though we're like eight months away. Because you are in this class of 21 people. You get to know them. I'm sitting every night thinking about them and who they are and what they say. And just when you think you know them, you don't. Like, you know... Um, but yeah, it's been incredible. It's been incredible. Yeah. I can tell. Uh, and mm. it's fascinating to hear sort of what the stages are like. And 
it's it's a little uh, abstract, I guess, sitting where I am and, and mm-hmm. trying to sort of wrap my head around some of the things you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But I can tell you have a clear passion for it. And I can also tell you that the voice training is really paying off. You have a wonderful voice. <laughs> I could just Thank listen you. to you speak. Um, Thank you. Assuming that that's, you know, obviously a sort of a tedious part of it and maybe your, your least favorite part, although I know you probably don't think of it that way. Do you have a favorite aspect of it as far as the work that you're doing right now? Yes, yes. Uh, as far as what I'm doing right now, um, or in general, yeah. And well, I can. I always think of this one moment in my toy journey. Toy being the school um, is in. Oh, also, we say Toy Story. That's what we say. So it's T O I is how it's spelled. But we say, "What's your Toy Story?" Kind of like the film. It's quite cute. You're amazing. Um, I was going to ask you how it's spelled, just because if someone's <laughs> listening, they might be like, "I have to go there. I want to learn yeah, about this." Okay, yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, in second year, so last year, we, we got to work with a movement teacher. And at first, I'm like, I wanted to do a play. And he comes in, and his name's Ross McCormack. And he's, yeah, he's a movement practitioner. Incredible. Like, the, the stamina or the sheer weight that, oh, I don't know, the caliber he works at is, is just, he's so fast with everything he's doing. And I'd never worked with a teacher before who sort of challenges you that grabs your shirt and goes, here, take a look at this. You know, it's all respect. There's nothing silly going on, but it's about the work. And he described the work so often, like, it's got to do this. It has to feel like that. And I've never heard this language before. And so I'm sitting there, like, kind of, like, trying to feel him out and learn him out. And then you hear more stories. And he, he, he teaches you how to embody things and how to move and walk. And he's so observant. And that's something I'm interested in. When you're in a cafe, you've got to be focused on the person here, here, and here to suck into your storytelling life, I guess, because it's how people move and behave. And um, he's worked on some incredible things. He worked on The Power of the Dog and worked with Benedict Cumberbatch up close in person. And he's telling some really cool stories. Benedict Cumberbatch would be sitting there writing notes religiously because he was an actor that came to work. And he described um, Jesse Plemons when they'd be doing um, Locomotive, which is traveling up and down the room practicing waltzing, because there's a waltzing scene, I think, in that film. And Jesse Plemons will walk with his tongue out because he'd be so focused on his castmates. He'd be up the top going, let's go, I'm ready, I'm in. And he's saying that to us young actors going, like, you want to meet the work? You want to meet this? Because I tell you, when when you're in the industry, they're hungry. And there's a big difference, you know, we're not Benedict Cumberbatch level, we're not... We don't have to be that yet, but that that woke me up to, whoa, how much you can play and how much physicality is in your body because that is what acting is. It's it's your body. That's your biggest toolkit. So I have to say it's working with Ross McCormack last year in a movement practice was the biggest, yeah, the biggest aha moment, yeah. That's fascinating. Do you feel, like, different in your own skin like on an everyday basis based on this training or is it a separate entity entirely? Hmm. Um, no, because I think what it tries to do is put you in your skill, just make you realize your skin. It's not trying to make you go, oh, here's the actor, let's strip them down and build the back up. That's not what it is. That's still a method around the world, but it's about bringing out who you are and, and letting that flourish um, and finding your story within it all. So that's the grounding thing I was talking about, your place to stand. Turanga YY is what it's called. Once you know that, that's kind of your core thing. And then in front of you are working questions, things you want to unlock. 
ways you want to go about this. Oh, I'm curious about accent and I'm curious about who am I allowed to play for? That's my big working question because we're in a very, let's say, woke world, right? Where am I allowed to play a, an African-American, let's say, because the African-Americans are going to go, well, he's British Kiwi. So even when it's that finite, it's like, yeah, who am I allowed to play for? And so through my journey at Toy, I'm trying to figure that out. Okay, where's the line? What's okay? What's, what's about the craft? And that's just what it is about. It's not about disrespecting the work. But then you got this. So yeah, that's what you have at Toy. You've got questions ahead of you and then who you are, but you're not trying to be a separate. I don't feel separate or outside of my body. No, no, not so much. Yeah. Does it surprise you or is it is it weird when you see yourself on camera, when you see video of yourself? Now, you know what? No, because I was a YouTube kid. I made a lot of YouTube videos, so it's it was already softened from there. And then I just, like, I've made hundreds of TikToks now. So that was the thing I woke up to, like, last year and went, it was a bit exposing because I started seeing myself in so many different lights. Normally you try to be a little bit particular how you show yourself. When you first do, when you first put acting work out on your own, you're a bit like, oh, I'll make sure I do a cool skit or I'll do something. I know I'm good at. But I was doing everything, testing everything, and that felt quite exposing, to, to be completely honest. But now I've seen my face in all these different shapes and, you know, wrinkles, whatever these things are that are on my face that I'm like, well, you know what? That's who I am anyway. Plus the accents I do. I'm like, yeah, I'm used to that. But if you're going in like a high budget thing, it's, it's, it's different. It'll be like, whoa, we look cool. Whoa, we're well lit. That's what you see when you're in some film. But um, no, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. What is it hard? Like learning this crap, would you, how, like, on a scale of one to 10, it, it, 10 being like, it's extremely challenging what I'm doing, what I'm putting myself through to pursue my passion here. Um, yes, it is. But I, I don't personally describe it like that. But overall, it is. And and I know what I don't know kind of thing. I or. I know there's things that I haven't reached yet that are going to come to me and that those are where the real, the industry is a great example. That's the thing you're going to meet and that's going to be the biggest hurdle. Working with people that aren't nice, working with people that don't like you, working with someone that might just say one little thing that you can't quite understand on a set and you have to go, okay, ignore that and get on with the job or confront it or learn how to say yes or learn how to say no. And then in this industry, the truth is, if you if you want to be a successful actor in a public sense, you're going to have this fame thing. And it's no joke, that conversation, because through doing TikTok, I've learned a lot about fame. And it gets in the way. And it's that's hard. And you're asking yourself every day, when's the point of no return? What am I going to lose? But what am I gaining as well? And And this craft, this, this storytelling, telling stories, that's, I'm a storyteller and that's what I want to do. So if I want to do that, how am I going to cope with what happens around me and the ego? So, so those things, 100%, that's all part of being an actor. And they describe the training at Toy as arts. arts. It's, it's artistic. It's, you're, you're learning how to be an artist. And so that means, yeah, how you walk in, into the room in the morning how you walk out of the room, how you put away the chair if someone left the chair out. 
those are all the challenges you have as an actor because you see it straight away when you know someone's not quite there for it, who's not quite in the behaviors off or the attitudes off around the acting itself. The floor is what we'd call where you act. We're on the floor. I'll see you on the floor. And then everything outside of that is like the things you bring as an actor, as an artist, your personality, how you hold yourself. And that that's what's hard. That is what is hard. Yeah. Mm. It's incredibly insightful. I'm just in awe of how grounded you are about the process, um, how aware you are of, you know, where you've come from and, and what's ahead. Um, and it's really, really useful information, I imagine, for so many people who will be tuning into this mm. um, to hear that. And what mm -hmm. an ambassador you are for, for yeah, others who may be interested in pursuing this craft. So... Switching gears a little bit, I know that you graduated from school already, and this is like the next yeah. chapter. And were you actually in film school prior to this? Yes, yes. So I was in film school. It was for a year. Um, so it's a diploma sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. And where did you attend? I attended South Seas, uh, which is a like I, it's pretty much the biggest film school. Like we don't have big film schools, but you know it's up there. Yeah, we don't have many in New Zealand. Yeah. Why did you feel at the time, you know, I guess after high school, um, do they, they call it high school in New Zealand? Yes, they do. High school. Yeah. Okay. So after graduating high school, why, why did you feel like that was the next logical step? Because I've been dreaming of doing it like since, you know, year nine or like, I don't know what grade that is, but through high school. And I was just like, I want to be, the, I want to go to film school. Yeah. I just want to try that. I wanted, what's the next step? Cause it wasn't like when you're in high school, and you do films, so bygones I'd done before I hit film school. So it was like, well, you can't really, like, get a job as a director, but I'm interested in directing and writing. Um, and then it would mean you step into sets and to actually get those connections uh, not quite strong enough or consistent. So it was about, you know, going to film school and meeting it there. That was my thought. Yeah, I want to see what it's like to work with some proper gear and collaborate with all these different departments. And how does that move? Mm. Great segue for me and my next question. Yes. Um, for, for people listening, you know, who aspire for the same sort of path, are thinking about film school, kind of weighing their options. It's not an easy decision. You know, there's a financial commitment and, mm. you know, certain mm. risk involved. Uh, is there a is there a certain class or experience that you had at school that really stands out to you um, as being impactful? At film school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, huh. Like a cool assignment or a professor, yes. anything? Yes. Honestly, my film school experience is not the dream one you'd think. And that's why it's it's hard for me to like quickly find the positive things if I'm being completely honest. What I can say is when I got to you make a film, your final uh, project, that I can highlight is where magic started to appear because I was working with kids. I chose to write a film about kids and they were a joy. They give you so much life. They're a challenge as well. You know, they say don't work with pets and children and I did both of that at film school. <laughs> And the kids were just, I don't know, you, you, you'd learn a lot about who you are when you're directing and who everyone else is, your mates, um, your producer or your AD. And 
you're like, no, no, how do we, how do we get them to focus? Because they're starting to lose their focus. Okay, we'll give you a little reward. Okay, we'll give you some food after. Food? No, 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 focus. Oh, shoot, we can't say food yet. Because then you'll just think about the food. <laughs> and then also getting them into the story and trying to understand that and games. Like it's about games. And that's what I love acting too, because we're all trying to play. It's what kids are as well. They're trying to play. And so how can you get playful energy into your film? So everything about that. And it was just a moving experience. It was the first time I kind of touched on my blackness inside a film. So it was like, yeah, it was cool to do. It's called to television, the short film. So it was about television. What is the film? Yeah, yeah, what is the film about? Yeah, so it's set in 1964 New Zealand. And um, it's about like the first kind of TVs that were coming into the country and what actually happened. Because I saw a documentary earlier before I made the film and it was just this, I saw this visual, I couldn't let go of it, but like three kids on um, crates, you know, Apple crates, peeping through a window because that one rich neighborhood in the, um, on the street had a TV and everyone else didn't. So you'd, you'd go through and you'd look, you'd watch them, the one show on in black and white, and then you'd run home. And so the kids would sneak out. And I just loved that. I was like, oh, that feels like some Steven Spielberg E.T., in the middle of the street vibes. So I just wanted to see that and then tell a story about, yo, if you were a black kid in 1964, what are you going to see on the TV? And then I wanted to bring some fantasy into the story. So it's about him discovering a TV from the future. And he goes into the bush and finds a TV from the future. So when he plugs it in, he sees a black guy on screen and it's like, whoa, there's someone that looks like me. And so how this kid um, feels and what it shapes him to be. That that's what the story is about. Yeah. Awesome. I I'm so mad at myself for not watching it. I think it's on your website, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. I'm, I'm watching it as soon as we're finished talking. <laughs> Give it a go. It's, the execution of it is is one thing. That's something I you know you you'll always doubt yourself as a as a filmmaker as a young filmmaker. You'll look back because you're really growing very quickly you know within a year you've mm -hmm. changed that's the thing when you put a film into a festival the time by a year later you're like oh i'm different now i've learned so much yeah. more that's the irony right um but that one in particular i just know this it's one of those ones like ah oh, we hit we miss certain things here and there but its story is what matters and that's what's i love it's beautiful and precious so yeah incredible and and, and just awesome to know the the trail, you know, that took you to the point of getting to the final story by, by seeing yeah. that documentary and yeah. that initial image. I, I'm intrigued for sure. Yeah. I, I have to ask, you mentioned that, you know, you don't necessarily have fond memories of the entire film school experience. Mm, mm. Why not? Yeah. Um, multiple reasons. One, where I had come in to the school. So I had done filmmaking. I had been on sets and I had experienced that and so I was meeting people going around I'll never forget this this is what I was like hey guys oh my gosh what are your favorite who are your favorite filmmakers and they say Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson I'd be like oh great yeah yeah but really like you know anyone else I was like oh no one wants to have this stuff no one wants to talk film say, you know I was like okay and then I slowly started to learn for many people, this was their first time touching films, first time picking up a camera, um, just because they were like, not, you know, they might have had cameras in their lives or phones and stuff, but it's like in high school, you, you know, these people that are coming straight out of high school going like, I just want to try this thing out called film school. 
That's what it was. But for me, it was this ongoing dream. And so I was ready for in-depth conversations about film. And it wasn't so much theory. It was about practical, um, which was great, too. I wasn't against mm-hmm. that. But then I, I was like, felt like I missed a bunch of film history. It's not it's not like you're going to sit in a class in the 90s and study Quentin Tarantino. It didn't. That's not what film school was for me. Um, so but the other thing was um, it, they were trying to cram a lot into a year for good mm-hmm. reason, I think, because they want you to have your industry connections. But I'll tell you, we, we lacked what the heart of storytelling was, but no rich conversations about, so why do you like this, this piece of film? Like actually talking, doesn't have to be about technicals and I'm not interested in that. I'm just saying like, why do we feel a certain way about stuff and what characters or actors inspire us or what music is in, like that just wasn't there. It was about kind of go through, finish, finish. And so that was hard for me. And then just, it's who you're with. Like it's the, it's the odds of who you're with. It's the people you meet. That's, that's the chance thing. And do you vibe with them? Do you mesh with them? And that, that just wasn't my people. But I can tell you the good bit, which is getting to acting school and me thinking, oh no, the, the acting school kids are going to be annoying as heck. And they weren't, they were like, they're a bit more reserved than filmmakers. Like filmmakers are quiet, but man, they're loud when it comes to the technical, whereas actors can be, and then really thoughtful and listeners. And I, I, I like being in a space like that where you can observe and sit back and then, you know, look at what you're doing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a multitude of reasons, I think, but maybe I had primed myself for this image of what film school was going to be, you know, and it's going to be this great thing where we go and hustle and then we create a film club on the side. And it wasn't that. And I think, but COVID, I'll always say that COVID got in the way, things got in the way. Right. So I, sorry, just to quickly extend this little thought, sorry, I had made films in my living room and my house in every corner of my house for eight years. I get to film school, finally can do some practical things in person. And then a month later, COVID. So we're back. And then they say, but it's all good. We can make films in our house. We can edit them online. And I'm like, yeah, but I've been doing that for eight years. I finally got to get out of that. And so I, I, you know, I still did my things. You know, I created a whole little comedy series during lockdown for my own pleasure because that's just what I do. But that felt so backwards. It felt like I was just going backwards. And I think that's what's hard about it, eh? Yeah. 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 And it's, it actually is amazing to me that the pandemic COVID, it seems to come up in every interview since, you know, it happened. Um, It it really was transformative for better or for worse. And Mm. and I can only imagine that feeling. I really appreciate the honesty about the experience. I think, Mm. you know, getting that well-rounded perspective of what was good about it and maybe what wasn't so much for you is really helpful to our listeners. And I think that's really what this show is really all about um, Mm. is paying it forward. Um, So I I really appreciate that. And I also completely agree about the importance of story, right? Without Mm. the story, who cares about the practical? Who cares Mm. about the technology and the production if we don't care about the characters and the conflicts and the emotional Mm. connection that we make because of that? Um, so Mm. I I can, it, it like, you can see it in you, how important it is to you. Mm. And it, it's amazing because it's, it's reflected in the small body of work that I've seen from you. It's, it's evident even when you were 16 creating bygones, you know, because I watch a film like that and I'm like, how 
does a young man make this film? Well, mm. it's because it's it's who you are. And it's awesome to actually see that in person speaking with you um, yeah. to see how the art is a reflection of, of the person. Um, I want to go back. You, you said, you know, pursuing the dream and all the things yeah. that go into it. When did you first start? like realizing, you know, maybe it was making YouTube videos or, or yeah. whatever, but when did you start to realize like, this is for me? Yeah. Uh, I'm always trying to pinpoint this because you always are. And only recently I was watching some family tapes from when I was a kid because my dad used to film everything. And um, first of all, he, he always says, What's it like seeing yourself? Because he didn't grow up with any pictures. He didn't grow up with any photos um, or videos. And so I'm, I, my honest answer is confronting, exposing, because I'm, I, when it's normal, luckily, you know, privileged enough to say that, but it, it's, it was normal to watch these tapes back. But then only recently I'm seeing this one and I'm freestyle rapping at four years old, like in the hallway doing this. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, so was it there? Is that where it started? This, this mover, this shaker? I, I don't know. I, but, but, I, but in terms of a practical sense or picking up a camera stuff, I mean, it was like 2013, me and my mate had a Sam, I had a Samsung and basically edited the whole film via this um, record and then pause button, record, pause. That's how we created cuts. And that's how I was learning. <gasps> you know, we can stop it and then continue it if we walk down in the hallway here. And we just ripped off a bunch of films, as you do, you know, School of Rock. And well, yeah, it was basically School of Rock. Um, yeah, that's how it started. But, you know, in an acting sense, it's it's been a theme. Drama, uh, uh, not drama camps, um, school camps. There's always like a skit night or, a, a uh, you know, a show night where we make some little comedy scene or whatever and, I was always doing that stuff, getting up on stage and, you know, being a joke man or, or an entertainer or whatever, something like that. So, so that spirit was from there. Um, but filmmaking, yeah, just a little Samsung, actually. Yeah. It, it's funny to me that you created a film like Bygones as the first sort of like, you know, legit production that you shared with the wor world. But I'm sensing that comedy is kind of your thing. Is, is that right? I have to be careful. Me and my agent talk about this. My acting agent is like, oh, where am I getting, you know, you're always being boxed in and you're always being, or, and will you get typecasted very quick? Comedy is a thing, but I think it's liberating me to stop overthinking. Even as a filmmaker, man, I just tried too hard for perfection or tried too hard for the end result. What comedy allows you to do is break that cycle, shift yourself, make you jolt yourself where you didn't think you'd go. You know, lying in bed last night thinking about a script I've been writing and just going like, what if we just killed him? Like, you know, being silly like that because you've done the work, you've done the core work, and now, you know, you, you can't sit there for too long and make this art house A24 piece of magic, which we'd all love to do, like... Like I'm obsessed, I'm gonna do it. I'm obsessed with Moonlight and Barry Jenkins. And there's there's a really deep and powerful world there that I'm curious in tapping into. Dramas, thrillers, you know, Jordan Peele. But that's the thing. So take someone like Jordan Peele, who I'm sure everyone references, right? Um, he's he's looking at horror, you know, he's looking at comedy, but through a lens of political horror almost. And that that's like deep. 
And I, I think, you know, blending these two, I think I'm, I'm curious in that. But, you know, comedies, I've been talking about comedy so much because it's been a way to be, stop being so precious with my writing, with a perfect scene, with a video, you know. It's, it's, it does allow you to break that mold, yeah. It relaxes you. Yeah, it does, it yeah. does. It does when you can't think it through too much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've mm-hmm. written something perfectly and now you're going to present it, classic. You, But, yeah. That's what I, uh, actually, in solos in first year, real quickly, um, where you, you you do a little piece of yourself, your solo, um, for 15 minutes. And each night I did, I chose to do, um, I chose to do a stand-up bit in the top of my solo. And I had written one for, you know, a couple of weeks and then performed it. And then I was like, that was so much fun. I, I want to do something new. And toy, uh, ex school, all about testing. So that evening I just went to McDonald's and thought about how I ordered a cheeseburger with no cheese, which is the silliest thing ever, but I did. <laughs> and the lady's like, a cheeseburger with no, sh- don't say it out loud. Like, you know, and I was like, this is going to be a stand up bit for tonight's show. So I quickly wrote something and then performed it. And I loved that. And then I had a third night and did it again. I was like, that's what it's about. When you can be, you know, a little bit more fluid. It doesn't mean making it up and winging it completely. I'm very hesitant about that culture of like, just let's just make it up. I'm not into that. But I am into if you come from a place of, you know, intellectualness or, or, or you know, rigid plans, learn to break that a bit. I, I, I'd say that to young filmmakers too, because, you, you know, you've got it in you. But it's um, maybe about... My drama teacher says to me, intelligence of the heart. Um, if you're an intellectual person, intelligence of the heart. Yeah. Mm. First of all, you made me laugh out loud um, <laughs> yeah. with that cheeseburger bit. As someone who goes to McDonald's and gets the hamburger with extra pickles. Um, oh, yes. You know, that, that's, uh, that. first of all, very funny. I, I imagine you're very good at it. This is usually a question I save for a little bit later, but like, do you see yourself going a specific direction? You're doing all of these things. Uh, um, and man, do I want to talk about all of them with you? Yeah. You know, you're, you're working on the acting thing right now, like stand-up comedy, you have a knack for it. That was immediately obvious to me a few seconds ago. Um, is there one that's sort of rising above the other? Or are you just sort of going with the flow and doing all of it? Hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, it's uh, acting's the place which I feel most alive in and, and closest to myself where I feel me enjoy finding joy, finding the joy. That's what I think life can be about. And so um, not taking things too seriously means that acting can be this really in-depth adventure, you know, challenging at many points, but also just a fun ride where you get to meet cool people, put on a costume. Like at the end of the day, you you are putting on a costume or something silly like that. And it's fun. Um, so acting's kind of been the thing that's like sparking me, but you know, I'm writing so much. Um, and that's the one thing I told myself, well, you know, I'm at acting school, what can you do? What can you do? Right. So it's like in the hopes that I can come out and pitch these things. Um, and I guess TikTok is just a great, you know, I don't want to be, I don't like the word influencer. First of all, uh, I make that quite clear because I think that's about you. Uh, and I'm not into that. I like the word creator, though, because I'm creating something. Um, and it just happens to have you in it. It's not it's not. A, yes. It's not about you. You're just yes. the vehicle. Exactly. 
and that's why if you when you go on TikTok and you will <laughs> when you go on there you'll find out <laughs> you'll find out that like all, all my impressions and stuff though they're not um ever in this voice I'd never use this voice because I'm trying to test something and see something so it's I've stuck with an American accent lately and garnered an American audience but yeah it's it's creating something so uh but what I was saying about that is that TikTok's become a great connector it's made me connect with people and and have tangible opportunities that start to come to you that's incredible and that's something you you can definitely latch on to um because a lot of you know funders and producers and production companies are going okay someone who's already built an audience what can you write oh yeah i can write sweet let's see you in a little six part comedy series or something like that you know so yeah it's a combination of things mm-hmm. it really is has it always come naturally to you this ability to assume characters um change accents that kind of thing or is it something that you've learned by working mm. on I know it's probably both, but I'm just yes. curious about what that balance is for you. Yeah, it's um, it is it is both, but but it's more it's more. Yeah, I it, I was that kid in primary school, which is you know what is that second before elementary elementary school? I think we call yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just doing little impressions, doing an Irish accent, doing whatever, and my mates always knew that. Um, and and to be fair, I was surrounded by mates. You know, the my friend, who I knew all through high school, we ended up at acting school together. We went off, did our thing, and then we came to each other one day and said, hey, I think I'm auditioning. Really? Same. Whoa, whoa, whoa we're not planning this, because best friends would clearly plan that sort of thing. We, we, we didn't. And so I was surrounded by these vo- by many voices when you're in New Zealand, so culturally diverse. You've got Indian people, you've got white people, you've got Asian people, blah, da, 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 da. Um, and so you've got a mix of sounds to hear anyway, but I guess that's what I was exposed to as a kid, having British parents being born in the UK um, and then moving to New Zealand when I was four. I feel like that journey already, I was absorbing sound because, you know, that phrase, you're a combination of all the sounds you've heard. So you just have to turn them on a little bit more. I don't know. The, the hardest accent I'll say is the Australian one. That's hard, ironically. Yeah. You would think, yes, that is ironic. You would think that would be easy for you. And it's fun. Yeah. I'm horrendous with accents. Um, and I'm envious of people who it comes naturally to. Um, I'm sure it serves you very well. And I, another reason why I'm going to have to check you out on TikTok. Um, yeah. So as far, as far as the acting thing, and I definitely want to talk about bygones because, you know, I think it would probably sure. be the first thing that people want to check out to, to learn a little bit about you as a filmmaker. But yes, where do you go from here? You're in this final phase of, of acting mm. school, which sounds mm. like it's been a tremendous journey for you. Um, like, what do you do? Are you, I mean, I, I guess you're probably already looking for parts and things. Do you have an agent? Like, what is that mm. process mm. like? Mm. Yeah. So, uh, I've had an agent for a while now and, and I was lucky enough to, lucky enough to have one. Um, although everyone kind of ends up with one at our drama school, that's not the same in the world, interestingly enough. And so, um, you're very lucky in New Zealand because it's small enough. Um, but then it's like, how do you branch out of New Zealand? That's the next challenge. Um, which is why your accent's strong. You need to like build your accent. Work. But, uh, you know, yeah, I guess it's already building up a rapport relationship because the thing, um, you get told is this is going to be a lifelong relationship. Like that's what your agent could be, which is quite terrifying as a thought as well. You're like, okay, <laughs> okay. 
we're really going to have to know each other and how can we actually honestly talk to each other so we know what roles we want, da, 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 da. But I've been a bit, you know, don't overwhelm me with self-tapes is what they call them now. You'd know probably about this after COVID, you know, everyone's doing them in their living room, um, you know, or in their bedroom. And so I've had the lucky opportunity to get some and then book some roles, some stuff that's not out yet. And next year it'll be about really leaping into that. So that's how it looks. You don't know what's coming on your plate. Um, you don't know what's going to come into your inbox, but you can't wait for it either. There's no point in being a lazy actor. Uh-uh, that won't help. So you have to kind of keep your muscles warm. That's why TikTok's a great outlet for me. It's always challenging me, even in a filmmaking way. For the first year of doing it, I didn't have a stand. So the challenge was, how do I prop the phone up? You know, because it's classic. You've got a phone. That's a huge tool. I wanted to make cinematic things, so I rejected the phone theory. But then when you realize, okay, we're in another world where, you know, the medium can look certain ways. All right, TikToks make built portrait. All right, let's have fun with it. How can I constantly find the best way to shoot this? So that, yeah, find, building your muscles in other places are crucial and in places you can find joy. Um, but yeah, I, you don't know with acting. You don't know. I'd love to do some stage work, some theater work, and I'm a big musical theater fan. So if I could ever get in one of those, like that would be pretty cool. On Broadway, imagine that. <laughs> I don't doubt that it's possible for you. And I, I, I really love the fact that it's it's obvious to me, If I, I don't know if it's obvious to you living it, but one thing is clearly informing the other. So you have this circle mm -hmm. of different things that you're doing, mm -hmm. but they're all creating your core. And yes. that core seems possible of doing any of them, you know, at, an, at a really high level, um, mm -hmm. which is just awesome. It's uh, mm -hmm. amazing to have crossed paths with such a person. Um, yeah. I, I want to, let's talk about bygones. Yes. What inspired you to make, to tell that story? Forget yes. film. We're talking about the story, right? That's, that's what Ooh. it's really about. It, it, I mean, it's an adult story. I mean, mm. what makes a 16-year-old tell that mm. or want to tell that story? Mm, mm. Um, best way I could put it would, would be what I think my first thing I was curious about was, you know, if you shared a, a, a ride with someone um, who, you know, like a taxi situation and you had a deep history, but you didn't know it. That was like the first starting point. And then my producer, Fraser Groot, he was someone I met when I was on a little camp, holiday camp with my parents in like 2014. And he's like, he was a 21-year-old filmmaker at the time. He's like, dude, I'm making a feature film. <laughs> Years later, he was like, I was way over myself. Every young person wants to make a film. But he did complete it. And so we kind of connected up, kept crossing paths down the line, and then we hit each other in 2018. He's like, dude, I'm looking to produce a young filmmaker's work. And so I'll never forget, we went to this cafe. This was the first time I'd ever driven on the motorway to get somewhere. So it was like already like, I'm being an adult now. I'm doing these big things. Going to have a coffee in some cafe, ooh, because that's how meetings work. And um, I'm sitting opposite him, nervous, nervous. And then he's just there. He's listening. Oh, it's all good. You know, you, you, tell me what you're interested in. Da, 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 da. Tell me your favorite movies, your favorite film scenes. And we talked for like, four hours, you know, about filmmaking. And that sparked up half the story probably because we're going, well, what are we passionate about? What, what, what do we want to see cinematically about it? 
I guess the root of the story is, you know, it's not personal, but it, it's, it was the, the question of like, yeah, what, what would it look like if your dad left you at eight years old? And what would you be holding on to? Uh, and what questions would you say without even knowing that you're going to say them in front of the person? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's heavy stuff, you know, for mm. a 16 year old mm. to even have the desire to explore those sorts of themes. Um, mm. And, you know, then to somehow transform that into actual characters, you know, with mm. actual dialogue and the dialogue in the film is incredibly strong and we don't see that. That's, that's a really hard thing to nail, to, to get the realism, to, to not be overly telly, you know, with, with what you're trying to communicate. Mm. What kind of challenges did you face creating a film yeah. at such a high level. I mean, the, th yeah. the obviously sto without the story, we wouldn't care about any of it, but it is incredibly well produced. And I know you were working with some folks who were older than you. And obviously that helps, but this is your vision. And that's becoming very clear to me talking to you. Yeah. Um, what kind of challenges did you face? Yes. So, um, oh, uh, let's see. I know it's a long time ago. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of which one. First of all, like driving in a car with a camera and, a, you know, that's a dangerous thing. I don't think we probably, <laughs> being completely honest, yeah. ticked all the health and safety boxes there, right? Um, but the challenge of that itself, safety is, is, I mean, you're cramped in a space and we talked for hours in pre-production of how is that going to work? What? What are the best angles to shoot in, in a car when you haven't got any rigs on the sides or anything? Um, and then working with the DOP for the first time who's got these big lenses and, and you're seeing what can be done and you're hearing... That was... I mean, sorry, I'm getting into the cool stuff now, but, you know, hearing little terms like, just split the difference. Oh, yeah, which means just, you know, go halfway. And I'm like, ah, you're just picking up so much so fast. Um but yeah, it, the, the, the difficult the difficult thing, which I always say and have deep regret about, is working with Ben, the lead actor. You're a 16-year-old. You're sitting there going, I know what my story is. You're, you're so rigid in that, what I was saying before. And you're aware, I was aware, don't tell an actor how to say their line, but I had how I wanted it set. But I was aware, don't tell, but I had that locked in. And um, at one point, he sort of pulled me aside right before we're shooting, you, you know, and gave me an offer or challenged me on something. I was like, he's coming after me. No, he's not. He was being an actor. He was doing his job. He was questioning the script. He was wanting to uplift the work. And and studying and acting now, that's why I that's why it was crucial to go to acting school to understand the actors. Cause I believe that relationship is one of the biggest things. Um maybe if not the biggest part of the story, uh, because they're the drivers of your story and they have such an input. You know, if they're real working actors, they've got offers and they, they're going to give you so much juice. And so learning that relationship, it was not toxic. We had a great time, but I, I felt intimidated by someone who was doing their job well. I was like, oh, uh, I had a, uh, but I thought it was good, you know, like, um, and how to go. So we still listened. I still was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Try it. Let's do it. Um, you're, but I was hyper-focused on time, and I think that's the thing you have to liberate yourself from. If you're the filmmaker, you know, as long as someone's got your back, especially if there's an AD, that weight and pressure can be on them. Because if you start to do that, 
you just you're not in those moments of performance. That's where you're gonna rush, mm -hmm. and that's where it's not good to rush. Forget lighting is you're gonna miss what you're really wanting the character to say. And I like that. Um, I was watching one of those uh, directors roundtables recently. The director was saying the last thing he does on his monitor is he just has a little piece of paper. Which, uh, how how do you want the audience to feel? So the last thing he's looking at when he's when he's in that monitor, and I'm like, yeah, if this is the last bit where you put it in the can and right goes on, that's so crucial and that shouldn't be rushed and that should be considered, um, and and it should be um, exploring itself in that moment. It can't have already been thought out. That is the part where, as acting, we'd say liveness, where things happen that you can't foresee. So you know, yeah, the challenge is that <laughs> the challenge is that staying alive. What an amazing learning experience. And, and mm. it's, you know, watching it, you don't see any of that. It seems flawless. It seems <clears throat> like it was just always going to be there on the screen. What do you, what did you want the audience to feel? If that's your card, you know, on your monitor, what was your goal? Mm. Mm. I wanted them to feel... The I actually wanted them to feel the whoa, like when the dad when the dad disappears. Uh, sorry, well, yeah, when the dad disappears and the car's gone. I wanted the oh shit moment. I wanted the like what I you know I I, I question if I ever hit that because uh, you know a lot of people describe the film as oh we knew what was happening, so it's about understanding that relationship. But I, I wanted to to kind of hit an audience and see how that felt. Like what is that? when something gets pulled away from you and you just didn't see it coming, the surprise shock factor, I guess. But, but also I just wanted, a, I wanted the audience to feel like they were on this little journey for a night, uh, tapping into nostalgia. That's something I'm huge on. I love nostalgia. I love thinking or gazing upon the past. And, and that's why it's kind of a motif in my films. You'll see one sort of surreal moment, um, which is kind of through a window or, through some scope and, and something magical is kind of happening. And in this one, it's the kids running beside the car because it's like, yeah, that's what you do. As a kid. That's what I can definitely speak to. I'm not an adult yet, but I can speak to that bit. Um, yeah, magic a little bit in that film. I think... I think it succeeded. Um, you might be surprised. I, I, there, there. I think for me, there probably was a little bit of you. you kind of see where things are going, but you're not mm. sure, and that's what mm. makes the journey mm. fun. Mm. Um, for me, and that's why I highlighted the the line of dialogue that that idea of what's between the notes, right? Mm. And that you know you could extend that metaphor on several levels with the film, <clears throat> visually, mm. right? The mood and the tone that you're creating, but what isn't said. Right. Um, and perhaps most importantly, what could have been and the fact that what could have been is the whole story. Right. The fact that dad was never there. And then the fact that you punch it home with an even bigger what could have been mm. as the grand finale, another mischance, another mm. what could have been for me. I mean, just and, and as a father of two sons and, you know, as a son myself, there's such power in that dynamic that you're delivering. I mean, I really, I really think it came through um, incredibly well. Um, and it, it resonated. The story really resonated with me. It leaves me with a hole. Um, 
and there's no answer, right? There's no plug for that. Um, mm. You just have to accept the fact that sometimes things don't go the way that you want them to. Um, and that's devastating stuff. Mm. That's, that's what stories should be about. Um, and that's, you know, that it really moved me. Um, so yeah. I, I want to thank you for that. And I, I hope that it moves a lot of people who watch it after, after we talk today. Um, thank you. Yeah. So, so many things I, I still want to talk about. Um, we, I feel like we could go on forever, but of course, all conversations do need to come to an end. Yeah. Um, we kind of already touched on it, but what are your goals moving forward? Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, more recently in the last week or so, I've been thinking about um, being comfortable with like that thing I was talking about fame and, 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 and this, the, the, the intensity of this career, if you choose to be in it, um, in front of the camera. And so just goals is to stay grounded. You know, I was pulling my mates aside the other week going, hey, just uh, you'll tell me if I'm being a little, you know, silly, really, because it's like you don't want to get lost in that and you don't want to get lost in perfection too. So I had a great chat because I'm writing a film with uh, Fraser, the guy who produced Bygones, look up paths are crossing again. And we were just talking about like not being, you know, perfect, like not trying to make the magnum opus. I'm 21. He's a little older, but it doesn't know. And we, 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 we um, always wanted to win Oscars. That was our dream uh, growing up. And it's changed because um, dreams can change. And that was a goal, but it's different now um, because it's, it is a question when you really ask yourself, are you wanting to win the Oscar for yourself? Are you, you know, wanting da-da-da? And our caveat was, oh, but we'd be up there saying, inspiring the next person, and that's so true. But I think you can get to that point just because you're putting, you know, work and magic in other places, I, you know, awards are one thing, but, um, goal, goal. I, I, I live by this thing. I, I want to be my ancestor's wildest dream, uh, and continue to be it. That's what I already am. That's what I feel like. How am I sitting here on a MacBook pro, you know, talking to you? This is insane. Um, but, but also like, yeah, just like <sighs> you feel it's, it's, this is an acting thing I'm getting into here. But it's in your body and you you carry your people, um, you carry your ancestry, um, those who stood before you. And so you do feel like maybe not responsibility, but you feel this honor or this pride to be able to walk with your hair and your body down the street and be and your name as well, if you want, um, and and represent them and, and tell tell their stories too. I think that's what it's about. You living and existing is that. So so that's like that's one of my overarching things. Continue to be my ancestors while the stream. Yeah. That's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Mm. And it says a tremendous amount about you as a person. And I'm very moved by that. And the fact that you recognize that and that you use it as a motivation. Um mm. I mean, you're the kind of person that should be telling stories and should be making art. Um, I have no doubt that you're going to achieve fame based on that groundedness. And it sounds like you're in a very good headspace for when that happens. Mm. I wish there were more people like you out there. And I'm incredibly happy that you're on this program 
because there's a lot of young aspiring artists out there who are listening. If they're not listening, I don't know who is. And mm. um, they need to hear that. And, you know, mm. you deserve everything that's coming your way. And that's, I, I, I'm going to never forget that you want to be your ancestor's wildest dream. Um, I'm going to tell my boys that as soon as we stop talking and yeah. have them think about that and have a real conversation with them. Awesome. You, you seem incredibly focused on your career. And yet, understandably, you're you're taking it in stride, uh, which mm. is an incredibly more mature perspective for someone who's 21. But you seem like you're always working, like you're always driving. And, you know, you're if you're not writing, you're making TikToks or you're you know doing this. Oh, I, I found a joke that fell out of my lap at McDonald's. I'm going to now do a stand up routine. Mm. What do you do to relax? Yeah, cool. Uh, yo. Um, plenty of things. Uh, some I ain't gonna mention, but I think there's also party time, right? There's party time. There's house parties. It, it, when when you're at a drama school and we're next to a dance school, um, most weekends there's house parties, and I love that. I don't like going clubbing so much because, um, especially when you're a TikToker in New Zealand, uh, everyone does oh, know you, and you can't. That is a little, and the disrespect comes in the way as well because people are drunk, but. Yeah, it's it's having those house parties where you can walk down a hallway and into multiple rooms and just see people getting along and people singing on the guitar, doing waiata, which means songs in, in, in Māori. Um, kai, which means food. There's like a table of things. Um, but then overall, like, I'm so aware of that when you're, when you're like an artistic person or you're creative and you're hustling. In order to make good art, you got to live experiences and, and breathe life and friends, my mates, you know, uh, Shamal, who, who's in the class, in my class, who we went to high school and ended up meeting one day and going, oh, the person I was mentioning before, we sit in KFC and chat for four hours in the booth because that's just who we are as friends. That's what we do. We laugh, we analyze things, we break them down, we talk about from all these... That's how we've gotten along since high school. Um, it's, it's finding those moments, like, for sure. And then I'm in a flat right now, so I flat with three other people. Two are actors, one's not. In between all that time, you, you get to have chats, you get to plan little events. Um, that, that's actually part of, like, downtime as well. And, and yeah, my, my own space. Um, it's, I will be honest, switching off, consuming is hard. So if you ask me to go watch a film nowadays, it's hard to because I'm such a maker that I feel almost I'm wasting time, almost, like if you, to get, and then once I'm in it, it's like, ah, great. So I yeah. think the movie theater is a great spot because you, you, again, it's classic, you're boxed in this dark room with multiple people sharing an experience. You can't leave, you've paid for a ticket. Like you're not gonna turn it off, you can't pause it, all of that stuff. That's where I need to kind of go more rather than the laptop because there is too much distracting me. TikTok itself you know, is a machine, as we know it. It's, it's moving faster and faster and shorter time spans and all of this. So TikTok's like a lot of my downtime, but I, I use it as an excuse and say it's my work, so I'm allowed to be on it. That's what I say. Yeah. Do, do you see, and we TikTok, I mean, we could have a whole conversation just about that. Um, of yes. course, I know nothing about it since I'm not on it, uh, but you can't avoid it in this world. Um, yes. Do you see that as something you, you may ultimately have to let go um, because mm. there are other things that you want to 
you know, really pour yourself into. I, it's a time consuming thing, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. a demanding process. So yeah. is that a reality that you may, that you think about? Yeah. Um, because I'm at acting school, I'm in this three year thing. I've got time. I started at the end of my first year. So, you know, I've had time and it's more joy. You know, I wasn't making any money from it for like the first year of doing it or whatever. So it was just do it for fun. Now I've been able to monetize it in ways. And so there's work involved with it. So you somehow have to kind of stick to it and watch yourself a little. But overall, it's like 30 minutes of my day. But when I think about it in the future, I'm like, okay, we might hit next year and there may not be time, but that's okay. I don't think I'll go on in there and talk and say, hey guys, I'm leaving to, I'm not going to be that kind of guy. I just fade away from it, like casually probably. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's something that I feel like I want to do. It's like an energy, uh, like I, an outlet, as I was saying. So I think if it's always there and... I'm bored one day, I might go, hmm, why don't I just like put on a little coat and do an impression? You know, I, I think that might be me anyway. So th that's how I'd treat it. But no, it's not the future. I don't consider myself, this is going to be my profession, a digital creator online. I, I, uh, it's, 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 lo it's lonely in that sense too, I think. You want, I want face-to-face -face interactions. I want to connect with people more. And it, it allows you to do that to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Couple more questions uh, before we have to wrap up. First is, you know, people who are tuning into the show, it might be a teacher, you know, sharing it in their classroom yeah. uh, and then having a discussion about it. Um, it might be just someone, you know, checking it out on their own who has huge aspirations and wants to do this, you know, this thing um, more than anything. What advice do you have for your younger self who might be listening to this show um, about? you know, continuing to pursue the passion. Mm. Cool. Um, don't be precious, you know, don't be too precious. Um, once you know you, you're, you're interested in taking it seriously, or, and, and you may have been doing that already, choose to let yourself go in it a bit more and make sure you're having a smile and you're not trying to just, can you guys, uh, so we can get, uh, finally I can edit it. No, what? You just wanted to see it done you didn't even enjoy you know like actually bathe in the process that could be such a beautiful thing um and i guess just you know when you're young and and you're i would say find your people um and be okay with whatever age they are for me they were older and i was trying to find them at my age and that maybe wasn't working but it doesn't mean you've got to be a 25-year-old when you hang out with a 25-year-old. You're just going to be who you are and bring that too. Like if you're around older people and you're a young person who's maybe skilled at something, you don't have to act more legit. You being there is probably a proof that, you know, you can be there. It's just lean into that thing that makes you different or unique. Um, and that's what I think about when I walk into rooms. It's like, okay, I'm bringing myself. I'm not going to try and filter it so that it's perfect i think that's the cool thing about bringing you and unconditionally being you so that you don't have to fake it the whole way through like you know um and, and or you know it, like this is not so much motive this is just advice you know really like when you're film when you're a filmmaker and a director consider your actors consider their space I, i'm gonna say this as an actor aren't i but consider their space consider what they might be thinking ask them that 
have reflections and check-ins like about your pro when you're learning still, you know, when you're not actually like in the big time, the big lead, you know, that's different. But when you're learning, you can so go, all right, what do we, uh, how do we feel? A word, a word, a feeling, a thought, because they might go, oh, I'll be honest, I'm hating this because he picked up my bag. Okay. You know, like, he's like dead ass. It's that tense on, it's that tight. And if, if you can acknowledge your crew or your cast, they already feel oh, halfway there. Okay, he's listening to me or she's listening to me. And, and there's no, the hierarchy can get squashed and it can be a more collaborative process in that sense. So listen to your actors and listen to your crew as well. But yeah. Mm. I'm trying to, while listening to you speak, I'm trying to come up with the words to say what I want, what I mean here. Yes. You're 21 years old. I don't feel you, you embody that in so many ways, but I don't feel like I'm speaking with a 21 year old. I feel like I'm speaking with someone. And I said it during the introduction regarding, you know, you creating bygones at a young age that beyond your years, you have this, and I can't find the word, this presence that is beyond your years. I can't imagine what you're going to be like in 10 or 20 but I certainly hope we can stay in touch because I can't wait to see mm. uh, how someone so beyond their years already is going to evolve. Um, oh, and great. I hope it takes amazing turns for you. Yeah. One last thing uh, and terrific advice. Thank you. One last thing. Um, we always like to have our guests leave our listeners with some recommendations. Um, anything that's on your playlist right now can be films, music, Yes. Shows, theater. Ooh. You're doing a lot of different things. Yes. Anything besides TikTok, because I won't know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Anything, yes. anything that's like on your playlist, something that people should check out. This is like, and I always say this because I feel like I need to be honest. It's sort of selfish of me because I write these things down and then I go check them out. Um, so when I'm not checking out your TikTok, what, what should I be uh, checking out to get cool. a glimpse of what Theo's into? Yeah, cool. Uh, a film I can think of that really, like, I hadn't seen, which changed a lot, was Talented Mr. Ripley. Um, love, kind of love that movie. There were, yeah, there were a lot of, like, films in 1999, and that one was definitely up there, but I missed it. Um, on that, actually, linking Paul Thomas Anderson, um, all his work is incredible, and Magnolia, which is, I think, the same year I... Yeah, that, oh, I love the way the camera keeps moving. It doesn't stop. The action doesn't stop. It's kind of like if you're interested in action films, maybe watch his work. I don't know. because Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, music, Schindler's List theme. That's what I was sleeping to last night. And I kept telling myself oh, I should watch it again. Um, but it's three hours and it's quite a mission. So I'm like, yeah, I got to be ready for that, you know? And then... Um, Thomas Newman, film scores. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Shawshank Redemption was in the playlist last night, and I was like, damn, that film's good. Like, lying in bed, like, come on, man, sleep. But I was, I, yeah, he's mastered the sound of the ocean. Somehow. The American Beauty soundtrack. Yeah. Oh. I mean, just Bunny. everything he, he touches. Uh, mm. Mm. You know what? I haven't listened, like, I, I always listen to instrumental music when I'm working. I just find that the words distract me, and 
I haven't listened to like film music in a while. I thank you for that yeah. because I've got a couple on my list and the Schindler's list theme. I have not listened to probably since I last saw the film, which I don't even remember when that was. Yeah. So definitely uh, something yeah. to inspire mm. uh, my work for the rest yeah. of the week. Music is Theo. a good, is a good reminder. Sorry, just to say music is no, a please. good reminder of like, in, in a, in a film sense, how powerful it is. Like you feel how rich it is when, when a, string instrument comes in or when a soft piano plays that's a great reminder of why I'm doing film for me because I wrote with with film school so much and it, it's that tether so I think like if like if you you know if you get lost you forget why you enjoy film yeah go see a film but also find that rich score that that classic you know Indiana Jones thing that's way too epic and intense, but just listen to it on its own. Because I find when I do that, I'm like, I'm already trying to like, no, it's, you know, it's so important. We got to, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then the ideas just start flowing because you're feeling yeah. a different yes. level of feeling than you are when you're just trying to write without it. And you yeah. know, the, the, the music in, in bygones for, you know, my small sampling of your work uh, plays an integral part. You know, yeah. that delicate nature of the jazz in the background yeah. is the character experience in yeah. so many ways, you know, and it is that space between the notes. Um, mm. yeah. Great conversation. Um, I want to thank you, Theo, for an insightful glimpse into your experiences and motivations as a storyteller. Of course, I encourage all of you to check out Theo's impressive body of work in the description. And thank all of you for tuning in and joining us. I remind you that this is just one of many in-depth conversations with the future of film. You can go to hsfilmfest.com for more information on the All-American High School Film Festival. And please do us a favor and subscribe and share across all of our platforms to help support our important community of artists. Theo, amazing conversation. Thank you so much. I, I, I'm not going to say I hope we'll keep in touch. I am going to keep in touch. Ooh. I'm so glad that I tracked you down in New Zealand uh, to learn a little bit more about you and all of the wonderful things that are ahead. Thank you for joining us. And everyone, we will see you next time. Ciao.